and welcome to Art Waves, a podcast about arts and culture in small rural towns. My name is Marion Myers, and I'm curious to learn more about the arts and the impact they have on my small town of Port Perry in the rural township of Skugog, Ontario, in the traditional territory of the Mississaugas of Skugog Island. I've discovered a wide variety of passionate people creating, coaching, and connecting in my community. And today we're talking to Carrie Nicholson of Theatre on the Ridge. Welcome, Carrie. So, Carrie, describe Theatre on the Ridge to us. Theatre on the Ridge is a collaborative professional company. Uh, I believe it's the only of its kind here in Durham. I think it's the first professional repertory company, meaning we in the summer months particularly, we do more than one play at a time. Uh, and we focus on um, a diverse repertoire, mostly Canadian pro- uh, content, original content. And we have a focus on developing new artists and new work and engaging with the community to help tell the community's own stories as well. So that in many ways, we like to think of ourselves as an incubator for a lot of the theatrical activity that can come out of Durham region, which is really rich in theater activity. What, what, uh, go back and tell me a little bit about this, um, stories about the community. How do you do that? We've done that by engaging with other community partners who are not theater partners. We feel it's a great way to show how theater isn't just people on a stage doing something for people sitting in an audience. So we've used theater to help share stories through the uh, historical society. We've done Pine Grove Plot Cemetery Walks, and that tells the stories of past residents here in Scugog. We worked with the Lake Stewards, and that was through support from the Scugog Council of the Arts, as I recall, and created an original theater for young audiences pieces piece on the um, environment of the lake keeping a healthy lake, the importance of the lake, which is such a major asset here. We are also working on telling farm family stories. So we look to where there's a story to be told and try and find a way to help that community group or sector tell their story better so that they can see the value of theater because it's all about communicating and sharing and empathizing and understanding each other better. Yeah. Now, so what's your background? How did you get to be creating your own theater company? I got to create my own theater company after a long meandering journey. Circuitous route. route, Yes. Uh, I started as a dancer. I did do community theater when I was in high school. I did all the musicals with Garden City Productions in St. Catharines and came to Toronto to study professional dance, graduated with an honors diploma in classical dance from George Brown College with Lois Smith and Earl Crawl and all that early national ballet crowd. Then I moved over to the Toronto Dance Theatre and went through their professional training program and stayed on to teach at the School of the Toronto Dance Theatre for another 15 years. You taught contemporary dance or modern. Contemporary dance. So, yes, Graham-based contemporary dance. And then we moved up to Durham, and I continued teaching in Toronto for a couple of years, but time to move on and treat myself. So I thought I would dabble in some theater and 
that was sort of the beginning of this next phase of, of my creative journey. I did spend some time as a basket weaver in the midst of all that. <laughs> and uh, when I finally processed a lot of the theater skills that I you know, was building by working with a number of community theater groups and someone had articulated that really I was just a weaver, that uh, I thought the best way to weave all the things I've done was to create a theater company. because I had also spent time as executive director at Scugog Council for the Arts. So I was able to combine my arts management skills with my creative skills and with sort of networks that I built and thought it was time to do something that I was particularly passionate in myself. And that was exploring this realm of Canadian content and uh, helping new artists move forward. And this community was is ready for it. it and it's it, it, interesting that in a rural community too, that it is about making all these connections between different things and in you and I've had this discussion before of how things seem like they're in silos literally and figuratively in this township and they seem like they're in silos and I, I find that you're working quite hard to make those connections between the different silos and we're all integrated like we all connect and we all have something to share and and I find it's just more exciting that way um, mm -hmm. it's it it helps keep the community alive it keeps us engaged with, with each other and we tell better stories and mm -hmm. when we tell better stories we create better communities yeah now and you say quite clearly you know a professional theater company what is that what's your definition of that I would go with the definition that Ontario Arts Council uses where someone is deriving the majority of their remuneration through the practice of their art form or craft or are devoting considerable the majority of their time in developing their skill sets in those crafts because we all know that performing artists don't always necessarily make money on a regular basis. But professional being that, that we expect value um, and to be recognized for the value that we're able to give that there's training involved that it's it's a it's a highly specialized skill set so there's a number of really amazing artists in this area and I just thought it was a shame that people chose location over a working career in Toronto for example um, it was why why couldn't we work in our own community why couldn't we give all the skills that we have in our own community and not be able to earn a, earn a living doing that. I mean, mm -hmm. that's sort of a basic expectation of, in most uh, most other sectors, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> you should, yeah. you know, you should be able to make a living doing what you're trained to do. Mm -hmm. Now, you talked earlier about um, the t different types of work that you produce, uh, the plays that you put on. But then I've always been curious about, well, how do you choose those plays? How do you find them? Where... Uh, what kind of research goes into it? I know some of it is because of your ability to connect things within a community. So you see, oh, a local historian writing stories about people that used to live here, and all of a sudden you visualize it as a as a a, a walking play through a graveyard. Okay, you make those connections. But then those other plays that you put on, that you put on to stages, how does that happen? It happens partly because I get out to a lot of theater. I 
started in the community theaters in this area, and I think I've worked with pretty well all of them. So I'm very familiar with all behind the scenes of the various play selection processes they went. So you learn a lot about a lot of plays there. Mm. Get out to see a lot of plays. As an adjudicator, I assessed uh, festivals, theater festivals. So I saw a lot of repertoire that was being done. And then I just keep my eyes open for plays. Uh, I have a great resource in my mother, um, which is... (laughs) Oh, someone that still reads a newspaper. My mother, yes, as I was saying, yes, in another conversation, is that, yes, my my mother, while she was still getting the, the papers from Toronto, would, would tear out reviews of productions that had gone up uh, from places like Tarragon or Soul Pepper or Can Stage. And she goes, I think this is a play that you should do because I think you'd be interested in it. So I have to credit her for helping me track down plays. And then often... There's pragmatic things. I have six actors in only four weeks. So that means a one act play that can accommodate this and, you know, or there's no budget. So what's the play that will translate onto the stage without needing a full production values of set and major sound and orchestra and stuff. So it's a mix of that. What do I want to communicate? uh, And what can we communicate? And I find this is where my modern dance background has been really helpful because I was trained that if you need more than your body and the space, you're relying on other things to tell the story. So I've learned to really strip pare down, it down, pare down, strip down to those essences. But I also like to keep aware of what's relevant in the community, what's relevant in the times. First year of COVID, we did a play called The Huns by Michael Ross Albert, and it was all about breakdowns in technology technological communications mm. which we were all going through zoom sadly <laughs> yeah. we were all all suffering from how do we how do we cope with all the changes and so you look for those moments where the synergies there and and then you look if it's a season i have to balance them all and and then i look at who my resources are and then sometimes people say i really want to do this play and we'll go all right let's see if it fits the mandate of what we believe in which is good theater preferably Canadian when we can get it. There's a huge Canadian repertoire that's not being delved into. So we're open to almost anything as long as it meets our core mission and values and such. Yeah. Now you've alluded to resources and that certainly um, also includes funding. So, you know, funding theater, gee, what a crazy notion that is. (laughs) How how do you do it? It's, it's been a challenge. Uh, we are blessed, as I said, with a great number of community theaters here. And, and we've done so well on the resources. They have done so well with the resources they have that it's been a bit of a hard road to make that jump to the resources needed to run a professional theater company. Uh, we do have salaries to pay. We have artist fees to pay. And so there there is a lot of reliance on public funding. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're in a social, political, cultural structure in this country that does not embed that kind of support into its basic budget lines. So um, we need to, there's a lot of grant writing, a lot of collaborative partnerships that can be done. uh, And you get really good at just being really resourceful. Resourceful. Really, really resourceful. And, And blessed with... And I think any artist organization would be blessed in this way is that if you're if you're on a really strong idea and you're really passionate about what you're doing, 
there are people who are going to help make it happen. And, and I like to be thankful that we've been really lucky over the last, uh, right from the beginning, there are people who wanted to make sure that Theatre on the Ridge goes forward. So we have found ways. Mm-hmm. And it's, it takes a while, though, and it takes it's a whole other sort of full-time job, just managing that kind of sourcing of funds. Yeah, whether it's um, a, a, a person or a couple saying, let's put on the play in my backyard, my side yeah. deck, and and paying for it so that they can treat their friends to some live theater to the, it, having to put into words in, in a grant application to get funding for things. Yeah. It's a different hat, isn't it? Yeah. And in just even making that public awareness of the resources that go into it again, because we're blessed with having so much volunteer theater in the area. And the first year that we did our very first tour, I think we did it. We toured six schools for less than $10,000. Yeah. Now, if going through the theater agreements and, and all the, you know, industry standards, that tour should have cost us closer to a hundred thousand. Yeah. So it's, 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 how do we grow? How do we grow to, to accommodate, you know, and, the and pay, arts. pay people fairly. And, and, and that's so important, but you pay people, we wouldn't expect other people not to work fairly. Yeah. Can you, Tell us about the latest grant that you got, because I think it'll be, by the time this is on air, it might be official. Okay, because I was going to say, which official grant? <laughs> oh, yeah, well, any number. It's been a, it's Actually, been a the, month for Yes, us. <laughs> it has. So, well, the one about the program for seniors is one that you could talk about now. Yeah, and because and, and that's going to run right through for a year. So, mm-hmm. it, and it, it, that's a program that can be picked up at any point by anyone. And we have a program approved uh, through federal funding called the New Horizons for Senior Program. And we're calling it Connecting Seniors Through Theater. And the intention of the program was to fund projects that would help bring seniors out of isolation, help them recover from those sort of social and mental health impacts of COVID for the last two and a half years. So we've creating this wonderful program where there'll be play readings and discussions like a book club, field trips to see local theater with an informed and uh, uh, experienced facilitator who can do a pre-show and a post-show conversation, and then offering ongoing workshops. And the neat thing about this program is it's all being managed by a committee of seniors so that it's not coming from the top down it is it is organically growing the, what, to what they the specific, want to see and... yeah and I think that's really exciting so that's that's up and running and then this new one is um is through Ontario Trillium Foundation's Community Resiliency uh fund and I'm still digesting it, uh, but it allows to. Yeah, it's because, you know, the grant application was due like December 1st, right? And then you find out about it and you're yeah. like, okay, what, what and, was it we were yeah. doing? And, and I literally, like literally within 24 hours of just finishing another writing. So it's, they're, they're, they're rolling around in my head. But this one is really exciting because we don't have a home. We don't have a physical location. Uh and, and that's often the first question we get asked. And especially through COVID, the last two years, we've been operating out of municipal parking lots. <laughs> right. And, and that's less than stellar uh, 
atmosphere for really good theater. And this grant is allowing us to move our whole summer festival out to the Scoobog Museum Village Grounds uh, with, uh, I can't even call it a tent. It's too amazing to be a tent. Yes. It's, it's, a, it's a proper theater, outdoor theater canopy. Marquee it's, tent, it's, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah you know, uh, that's where, yes. Pictures. I can't. I can't. I can't even describe it. But I'm. I'm just really happy. A honking big tent. Honking big tent that will keep a hundred people dry and the performers. So that's really exciting. And uh, portable outdoor stage uh, to actually that we can move around and reconfigure the space, and then the appropriate lighting and sound equipment for outdoor performances. Uh, right down to having accessible porta potties for our patrons. So. And the nice thing is that we'll be working with the Scoogook Shores Museum people and we'll have sort of a home base from May to October yeah, uh, awesome. for the next several years. Uh, so we're staying resilient in case, you know, in case we're just inter-pandemic right now, um, we will be able to continue and, and, and it allow us to plan further mm -hmm. forward than we've been able. We've literally been like planning summer seasons, like, two months out yeah. <laughs> where and in the I, past it was 18 months. <laughs> and I guess the next struggle with that grant will be the fact that, yeah, you priced everything back in October, November to write a grant in December. And uh, lo and behold, the prices Inflation, go up on yeah. everything, have gone up on everything dramatically. And that has not happened for years. I discovered mm -hmm. recently yeah. ordering some printing the Lake Scoogog Studio Tour tour books. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I haven't. The price of paper has gone up dramatically. Yeah, we we've just signed the contract on this grant, so I haven't even wanted to reach out because I like to make sure all the I's and are dotted mm -hmm. and the T's are crossed. And uh, I need now go back to our suppliers who gave us quotes and just see where we're at. And uh, fortunately, another grant also through Ontario Twin Foundation has allowed us to uh, engage a fundraising and revenue development specialist. So. I've given them a heads up that, yeah. you know. So we had, tw we needed 12 lights as part of the thing. Now it looks like that's going to buy us lights. nine or 10. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Or, How do or, we buy the other or two? Or I find, yeah. Or I find more money to get the other two. So, yeah. you know. You roll with it. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I have a tent. I will be dry this summer. I will not be sunburned. And uh, we There might be bees. <laughs> I'm hoping there's not bees. That's that. That's what finally, like first year, it was fun. It was fun to, to be just bring it in a parking lot and look how resourceful we're being. Last year was not so much fun, and to watch really accomplished, like high level actors fighting off bees while trying to perform cottages and Indians was just was heartbreaking. Um, you can't do good work in that circumstance, and you know, yes, we all are willing to suck it up for our art but that that became literally a physical risk and I can't, yeah. can't go there <laughs> so uh, you know, what impact do you think that theater on the ridge has had on our small rural community I like to think that we're starting to shift people's views of what theater is or isn't we've really worked hard to present theater in alternative locations and in alternative formats, such as the cemetery walks, 
doing staged readings in bookstores. Well, staged readings themselves. I mean, that's something people weren't really familiar with until you started to, In this to area, no, because I do remember at one of the early ones we did, uh, a, a member of the local theater community being quite quite impressed that it was like being at a show. And and I, I said, yes, yes, they can be, uh, because there were radio plays. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly now after COVID, it's it's certainly more familiar a, to people. It's a much more familiar uh, format. Yeah. But when we started, well, it will be 10 years old next year. So when we started almost 10 years ago, doing a reading was a very hard concept for people to wrap their heads around. And um, but and that, that would be interesting to go and watch. And well, and it, I, and, and it, it brings it down to the core of the text. It is. Mm-hmm. It's just you and the text and, you know, the audience, the text and the artist and sharing that experience. And uh, so I think we helped open a few doors that way. It, it allowed us to bring repertoire into the community that might be too big a risk even for us for a full scale production. Mm-hmm. Community theaters tend to stay in a safe and a, a fairly safe and and i've seen that change over the years so i'd like to think we might have played a little that you know we we broke through a little ground to help make that easier for them by presenting more contemporary playwrights more canadian playwrights uh, even the fact that we were engaged hiring playwrights to right. write material yes, for us exactly and i've seen a couple more groups in the area um, take on having a play commissioned, and um, and that's really exciting because that's when the ripple starts moving past yeah, that's the immediate think, performance. Ah, we had an influence there. Yeah, 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 and you know, and and it doesn't need to be direct, but it's just that little quiet shifting of mindsets, and 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 even if we're part of that, that's that's just awesome. And I'm curious to see what you know the fact that we kept going through COVID for the last couple of years and doing things in parking lots and. And bringing, you know, um, the Lion Witch in the wardrobe to people's backyards and driveways and stuff. And and I'm hoping that that just allows the community to sort of not feel they are either theater people or not theater people. Um, mm-hmm. Theater happens all around. It's just not often fully scripted. And, uh, you know, there's been some great theater that happens <laughs> spontaneously and drama happening. But, but I think theater is more part of... Our lives, and we give it credit for, because at least in Western and North American theater, it's become very specific. And there's a stage with people acting on the stage, and people sitting in the audience watching the people acting on the stage. And and I think there's so much more to theater than just that one iteration of it. And and if we can keep breaking that down and, and encouraging people to take those risks, yeah. And, and well, I. I'm remembering people saying things too about, oh, I just want a fun thing. I want to be entertained. And of course, you're always struggling, it seems to me, with helping to present stories that are sometimes uncomfortable. And Yeah, yeah. And, and sometimes they are. But I, I also think that we shouldn't shy away from the uncomfortable things. That's how we grow individually as communities. Um but I do get that I can do I can do a good frothy musical as <laughs> as well as anybody, and I can enjoy it as much. And and I think it's that balance. It's that balance. And I think you can deliver messages with sugar, as it were. You know that you can you can say something really important. Uh, Cottages and Indians is one that mm-hmm. comes to mind. Yeah. Well, Drew Hayden Taylor is 
expert, right, at that humor. Yeah, because it, it allows people to engage and take as much as they want or take as much as they're ready to get out of out of that particular show. It, it's a delightful comedy, and you can enjoy it just on that surface that the dialogue, the characters invite this wonderful laughing i've had a great time but there is a message under there about the you know relationship between the indigenous and colonial cultures and and again but plays like that allow you to think move about at your own pace yeah. yeah and i think that's really important and and i think the the play that we're doing um uh, at the end of the year for culture days that we are now working with a a, a, a uh, black playwright to uh, bring the story of Samuel Stout, our, yes. our first Port Perry's first black resident, uh, to life, and and I'm really loving how she's chosen to tell this story because I, it's going to have that same wonderful, approachable, accessible. There's a point under the story, but it's also sharing the joy and richness of of, of the contributions that he made, um, and 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 his his own place within himself and within the community. So again, nobody wants theater that lectures at them. You know, mm -hmm. that's that's not the, the point. I think, it, the, again, it's the story. If you engage in the story, you will find yourself going away after and dissecting it at your own pace and going, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now, so we here we are in Port Perry and we're, you know, an hour and 15 from theater district in Toronto and um so what's the upside downside of being this close to Toronto it's it is a double-edged sword uh I think at the moment and as we establish ourselves as a company it's it's a hard challenge in that people have habits built up of just automatically going to Toronto mm -hmm. uh and and I think that when we can draw them into our shows, and we do have a wonderful core audience that knows all the Toronto productions very well um, and is very happy that they don't have to get in a car. Uh, I remember our first summer season, one patron going, oh, I don't have to do the QEW to get to Shaw now. Uh -huh, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and someone else had said the same thing about traveling to, to Blythe, for example, that they could see good theater about regional stories without having to make that track so or they can see more theater they can see because you, they might still be going to Bly they might still yeah. going to Stratford but they have more options uh mm -hmm. for people who love theater here to be able to bring friends and family to theater here without having to take it elsewhere but but you know it is that sort of it's our defaults uh a lot of people in this community now have come from the GTA and closer into Toronto so they have habits and Part of our goal is that we start building new habits and and we try and work with by bringing well-known Toronto artists into our work so that some of the Toronto people come out here and Toronto people love coming out here because Port Perry is a delightful place to come to. So I think ultimately, you know, for me, the audience that we attract is going to be this wonderful mix of of locals and Visitors, visitors, mm -hmm. and 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 I think how delightful is that to have that diverse mix, uh, sharing an experience out here. Uh, 
I'd rather watch a show out here because there's less traffic and there's more green space and more trees and water, you know, for the downtime uh, when you're not actually at the show. So I, it's, it, it's convenient for me to go in and, and check out new theater and such. But it, 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 we have to keep reminding people that, you know, it's, it's like Dorothy in Kansas, right? We had to leave our backyard. Like, we yeah. have to learn to, it's right, it's it's right, right here under here. our nose. There it are is. amazing musicians and here that we could be There are so many other booking. artists in this, you know, people like Lynn McDonald who have these amazing jazz series with internationally known people. And, and you know, we're able to bring directors who have worked with with Stratford and and we've got artists who've been at Stratford and have worked in other national level companies and by so, the same token we have people that are here that are exceptional yeah and and I think I think all we can do is just keep bringing that up to the surface so that people have options and 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 that we can celebrate what we're creating here yeah um because I think it's 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 a wonderful community I mean I've been here almost 25 years and there is something in the water because the artistic output that can come from this community is really quite uh, amazing. Yeah. So, okay. So now, you know, you've got this tent. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, um, so what's the plan? The plan? What, but, but what are we going to see soon? Okay. So you are going to see, um, uh, the, the three main pieces the first we won't hold you to it, Carrie. No, so no, no, that's it. Yes, <laughs> I just we have websites for well, making and corrections, and we're and, and we're gun shy, right? I just <laughs> yeah. I think every theater practitioner is gun shy since yeah. COVID. We just don't want to commit to anything, and I've never put the subject to change Here's line in such big we're doing. Here's what we think. So, I really felt it was time to get back to physical experiences. We've been so cerebral in our heads. We've been Zoomed to death. And there's, you know, the theater we've had to put on due to physical distancing restrictions and gathering and such has been very stand and deliver, high quality stand and deliver. But I really wanted to get into our bodies again. So I've invited uh, an artist, Andy Massingham, to come and work with us. And so our Something From Nothing new play workshop is actually going to be a devised theater piece that will focus on physicality. And there may be words, there may not be words, I, I don't know. But oh. it'll be, I felt that it's just, I did a workshop in December in that little window we had between <laughs> we can do things and we can't do things. And I didn't realize how much I needed to get back into my body and experience things Physically, and and I think even as an audience, we're all ready to experience people experiencing physical things. So I'm really excited about creating a story. Uh, it'll have some sort of, I'm sure, pandemic theme about it. Um, that's the joy of something from nothing. We start from scratch, and then the company works really hard for three weeks to build a new piece. So that I'm really excited about. And then... We're doing a Canadian comedy by a playwright named Kat Sandler called Punch Up. And it's a, a nice, tight little one act uh, with an interesting storyline about trying to be funny in the face of great um, potential tragedy. Uh, and yet it's a hilarious play. It plays uh, the punch up, meaning to punch up your jokes, to get things up to funny snuff and uh, I laugh when I read the script, and that's a good sign because sometimes comedies 
take manifestation before the, you know, the humor becomes apparent. And it's a wonderful, almost an homage and celebration of, of so many classic comedy tropes and sketches and right from vaudeville routines up to contemporary comedy styles. And it's just a three-hander. Um, three-hander meaning three actors. Three actors. Uh, so there'll be some physical comedy. There'll also be some word repartee. Uh, and it's it's really delightful. Hard to hard to put into words. Um, there'll be a nice tight little synopsis on the website shortly. And that'll, yeah. <laughs> that'll phrase it better. Because it's so easy with these quirky plays to set the tone wrong if I don't get the words right. And then we are going to bring back uh, one of our 2020 canceled productions, which is our own adaptation of Cyrano de Bergerac. And that will be directed by one of our past company members, uh, Liam Lynch, who's was on board to do it to, I guess, three years. I don't know. Yeah. Long time ago. And uh, we're looking forward to just, again, high level of physicality, something that's very family friendly, beautiful story. There's romance. There's sword fighting. Sword there's, fighting. There's, there's, you know, period excitement. Um, great, great script. The original script uh, is the language is beautiful in it. It, it sort of ticks off all the boxes of, of a, a perfect way to round off a, a summer season. So those are our three big ones. We're hoping to tuck in a few music events around that to um, to celebrate music coming back. And uh, because we'll be at Skugok Shores Museum, we're building a, a, another selection of drop-in or ad hoc programming that'll fit into that museum uh atmosphere maybe some little workshops such as museum oh, monologues you, and you did a pre-pandemic a cabaret type thing which was quite yeah. interesting too so the, where you know you had professional actors coming and doing their favorite soliloquies and 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 we're hoping to do something like that again uh something else that was really popular at the museum last year is um our plays from the past which were vintage plays actually written in the late victorian early edwardian era and just plays that have a great deal of social resonance. Even now, I, you, you read them and go, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. that still applies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, but yeah, the Pride four, and Prejudice is still Pride and Prejudice, but, but there, you know, there was a lovely J.M. Berry piece we did about the 12-pound look about women being more than, you know, idle things sitting in drawing rooms and, uh, you know, the independence that comes from earning a little pocket change. And so... That was very popular. So I think we're going to incorporate that into some of the museum's programming this year so that we, yeah, I have a whole cool. little stack of these wonderfully, you know, uh, falling apart scripts that are, you know, we're all of like five cents in <laughs> 1922 or something wow. like that. So we're, we'll go through them and, um, and, and they're great things for the actors to play with. Yeah. You know, so now how do people find out about, well, how would actors find out that you're, um, taking auditions? How will people find out that you've got production jobs? You're going to need people that know how to set up tents. And we, we are looking at potentially having a staff of close to 30 people this year to, yeah. to, to, it's that tent. It's that tent. <laughs> no, the tent actually goes up with only two or three people. It's it's taking care of it for the whole summer that requires. Um, so we our website, theateronthericht.ca. Theateronthericht.ca. And Perfect. we have a work with us page, a learn with us page. 
uh, what's on page and all that information by the time this goes up. And so that should be on there. doing that Clearvision. Clearvision is so, doing our new site. So new site. So that's right in Port Perry. I mean, that that's pretty cool. You know, small yeah. town. I've, I've found that here from, uh, you know, decades that ago that we moved here. Oh, I bought all my furniture here. Like I bought, you could buy all it's your great furniture stores here. Yeah, <laughs> you, can, you can get your website done here. You can, yeah. It's well, just, it's a great community. Like it, it's again looking in your own backyard to um, see what's what's there, and uh, not there isn't good things out elsewhere. But why? Yeah, why when you can, you know? And again, that's another nice thing from the whole pandemic is this buy local look in your own backyards uh, and and simplify things a little bit that way. So yeah. we're homegrown theater here in this community. So, you know, that's why people, you know, should come. Okay. <laughs> well, that's cool. Thank you, Carrie Nicholson of theateronthebridge.ca. So Chi Miigwech for spending time with us today. Thanks to The Wanted for their song Before the Fall and the Ontario Trillium Foundation for the grant that got this done. Visit scugogarts.ca to get the scoop on what we're up to and join us every week for another episode of Art Waves.